from leaping tall builders to going off like gamma bombs. Switch your internet browser to comicsonline.com. For everything geek pop culture, this is Comics Online, baby. Hello again and welcome to the Comics Online Podcast, Season 17, Episode 6. I'm your host, Kevin Goswan, and with me today, as usual, is my co-host, Mike Lunsford. Hello, everybody. Uh, Today we've got a very special guest. We have television host, author, and, uh, well, author of a great many things, from... uh, political thrillers to comic books to now children's books and that's what we're here to talk about today uh author of ordinary people change the world we have brad Meltzer. what's up brother what's up it's great to talk to you again yeah no i and i get to actually i can physically see you on this this is uh i love how the future works hooray future hooray internets so so now we've got this week, uh, that is to say, we're, we're recording to the, this in advance, of course, but uh, this time we've got I Am Jim Henson. So um, I guess we should start out. How did you get get the idea for Ordinary People Change the World? And, uh, and then how did, how did you go from there to I Am Jim Henson? Yeah, so, you know, we all, all write... Um, for our own narcissism in some way. And for me, that's where this started was uh, I just had kids and I, I was tired of my own kids looking at big mouth athletes and reality TV show stars and thinking that that's a hero. And as someone who grew up on comics, um, I certainly have my own view of what a hero was, but I knew it certainly wasn't going to be, you know, some someone that's on this reality TV show. So because of the thrillers that I write, because of the History Channel show that I work on, I just was like, I have so many better heroes that I can give them. So we started with I'm Amelia Earhart and I'm Abraham Lincoln. I am Rosa Parks. We did I'm Albert Einstein. We did I am Jackie Robinson because I have a son who's a sports nut. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to show you what a real hero is. It's not someone who just scores a lot of points. It's someone who has a bigger impact on life. And we even did Lucille Ball. I did I am Lucille Ball because I wanted my daughter to have a female entertainment hero who wasn't just famous for being thin and pretty. And Lucy stands for the idea it's not just okay to be different, it's fantastic to be different. Um, and even when we did I Am Helen Keller, we put, you know, stealing from comics, we put the pages of the book, when she goes blind, go black. And oh. it says, here's how I see the world. Cover your ears, here's how I hear the world. And then when she, when she learns to read, we put real Braille into the book. So you can touch the dots and it says, feel these dots, this is my name. My name's Helen, what's your name? And, you know, on the opposite page is the full Braille alphabet. And for us, it's never been about, okay, we want to just sell you, here's a book about some hero. It's about teaching the moral lessons that these heroes represent. So you get to see that Amelia Herrick stands for the idea that, you know, it says in the back, I know no bounds. That's what it's about. It's about telling kids today what they can do. It shows you her at seven years old building a homemade roller coaster in her backyard. And to me, that's the fun of the book series is showing kids their own potential in ways they never saw it before because you see each of the heroes when they were kids. And that basically led us up to Jim Henson. Nice. So what struck you particularly about Jim Henson uh, ahead of uh, any, any other you know, person in, in children's, uh, children's television, I guess? You know, for me, growing up, listen, I love Abraham Lincoln now. 
but he wasn't, when I was five years old, it wasn't like I walked around with a big, you know, stovepipe hat on. But Jim Henson, even when I was little, he was my hero. This is the first hero we're doing where the hero is one of my heroes. Growing up, my two heroes were, beside you, my grandfather, who taught me Batman stories. It was, it was Jim Henson and Mr. Rogers, because Jim Henson, when I was five years old on Sesame Street, showed me that you can use your creativity to put goodness and kindness back into the world. And that's all I'm trying to do today, right, is use that same lesson I learned when I, I've evolved nowhere, my friend, since five years old, because <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to take my own creativity and put goodness back in the world. And he did it with Kermit and with Sesame Street and Ernie and Bert. And I'm, I'm, you know, getting to do it with his story and with the stories of Lucille Ball and Amelia Earhart and Rosa Parks and Dr. King. So, um, uh, you've got you've got a limited uh, number of pages. I mean, it's a children's book, so you're not going to go on forever. Do you? Uh, did you discover anything about uh, Jim Hansen that that didn't quite make this book? You know, there, there's stuff. Listen, there's always stuff because you only have, you know, let's say 40 pages to do it. The thing about Jim Henson is, and it's very much like, you know, when you're dealing with comics and writing a Superman or a Batman or, you know, anything else is you, you, you know, you kind of go for the nostalgia, right? That's what pulls you there. And, and we all know nostalgia is a trap. And I picked Jim Henson because I'm like, oh, I love Jim Henson. I, my, my youngest son is very creative. I wanted to give him a creator, um, someone who's truly about the power of their imagination. And... That's why I really signed up for the book. It wasn't until I was working on it that I realized that it wasn't just nostalgia that pulled me to it, um, although that was certainly a part of it. But it was this, you know, Jim Henson, when you really pull apart his life, is you have this amazing, um, I'm trying to kind of verbalize it, but, it, it, you know, he really does have a mission. And, and it's, you know, the metaphor perfectly for me is this one of tolerance and kindness and goodness. And one of my favorite little details in there is that, he, he always talks about how his grandfather was really funny, but he never told jokes at the expense of anyone else. And he just always knew that. Like, it, you know, you don't have to laugh at someone always. You can live, laugh with someone. And when you look at Kermit at the center of The Muppet Show, um, or most of the characters, you know, or the straight men and women on Sesame Street, you have all these crazy people and, you know, wild animals and weird creatures and weird monsters. But at the end of the day, it only works when they all work together. And you don't need to listen to, you know, something like, you know, it's not easy being green to realize like his message of tolerance is just so needed today. And it's just this really kindness and goodness. And, that, you know, and, and to me, I think when you for me, that's what keeps getting left on the floor is it's just example after example of like him reaching out and, and just being a good person to people. And I talked to all these people who met him and they all say the same thing, which is his superpower. And someone told me this is that Jim Henson's superpower is not that he was a puppeteer. And I come put this in the book because there was just no space. But it's not that he's a puppeteer. It's that he knew how to find other people and bring out the very best part of them. So you get Frank Oz or you get, you know, all these other people that work with him through the years. And they're all masters of their game. Like, that's why Bert and Ernie works, right? Because Frank Oz is like the best at what he does. And he can find him and pull out the best part of him. It's like, oh, you're the straight guy? Great. I'll be the zany one. We'll, and and suddenly you become more powerful. It's like that's like the ultimate Avengers Justice League fantasy, right? Is that together you're just more powerful. And I love that message that he stood for. So now that you've done Jim Henson, would you would you do a Fred Rogers? Oh, I'm doing Fred Rogers. I mean, I can't, okay. you know. 
Oh, there's not a question. I mean, listen, what kind of nerd would I be if I you know, wasn't doing <laughs> Mr. Rogers? I mean, I can't do them. I'm not going to do them right after because it's like you just, you know, you want to balance things. Like you don't yeah. do, you know, Ben Franklin and then George Washington. You know, once you do George Washington, which we just did um, for the election, we just did I am George Washington. I'm like, Ben Franklin's going to take a back seat for a little bit. But, you know, because you just don't want to have all these revolutionary people walking around. But you better believe that, you know, Mr. Rogers is on that list. And I I'm definitely want to get back to doing them. So will you now you, you did George Washington, obviously, as a, uh, you know, a, the, our revolutionary war leader, um, you know, one could could see that as a, um, a, you know, being as though this is a children's book. Here he is, a, a man going to war and, and you know, having to uh, perhaps, uh, you know, one assumes uh, compromise and, and, and do some some bad things with the good. I mean, he had to, you know, as anyone does in war, kill people, literally. Um do you have you in any of this run up against people's um, darker sides as well? And, and how do you deal with that? Yeah, listen, way to bring the conversation to the full dark mood about the children's <laughs> books. Let's talk about George Washington murdering people. Right. I mean, but that's but you're right. I mean, you know, people are like, you know, they'll say, you know, when we say we're doing Lincoln to like, you know, or we say we want to do Thomas Jefferson, whoever, whoever we say we want to do, it doesn't even matter. They'll say we got for George. Washington. He owns slaves. He's not perfect. No crap. Right. I mean, if you're looking for perfect people, you're never going to write a book about anybody because every person is flawed. Every single one has a moment. And to me, that's not the bad part. That's the good part. Right. The best part of what we're trying to do is not to show the perfect people in the world, but to show you these aren't the stories of famous people. This is what we're all capable of in our very best days. And no, no one can really be measured by their best day and no one can be measured by their worst day. And but we all have these days. And so. George Washington is a perfect example. I mean, there's no question that, listen, the guy had to kill people. He had to order the death of people. He did order the death of people. I mean, there's, you know, the Andre story alone is this moment where he could have shown, um, you know, as Benedict Arnold comes and he finds the betrayer himself and he's like, he could go easy on him or switch him or trade him. And he's like, kill him. And, you know, needless to say, we don't put that in the little kid's book, um, you know, like, turn this extra page for extra murder section, you know, a, a scratch and sniff for it. But the most important part of the book to me is, is those, are those flaws and where he's like us. So the best part of George Washington, and we point out in the book, kids are smart, they're not stupid, is we say, you know, Chris Eliopoulos draws it so beautifully and, and, he, and gets the message across. But we say that the most important story in the whole book is after he wins the war and he can be the king of America, George Washington's most famous, powerful Everyone loves him. He can be the new king. We'll make him King Washington. New, move on. And in that moment, he goes home. And King George says, what's George Washington doing? They said he went back home. And King George says to painter Benjamin West, he says, if he does that, he'll be the greatest man in the world. And if he didn't seize power immediately. And that's what George Washington does. And he does it eight years later when he leaves after two terms, which he doesn't have to eat. You know, he, he puts that in there. And he, he has faith in us. He has faith in our country. And he says, you know what? I could take all the power, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust. And, and to me, that's the great moment is dealing with that idea that you can be a schmuck like everybody else. You can be something better. That's actually the theme of I Am George Washington. You can be a schmuck like everyone else, or you could be something better. That is, uh, that is a beautiful sentiment. <laughs> it's like a Hallmark card. It is well, and and that seems to be each one of these ordinary people. You've got you've got on the backs of them the uh, the hallmark card. You know, I am Jim Henson's back says, "I will keep believing and keep pretending." 
Yeah, no, yeah. and that's why I that the, the key of the, the the series, and I hope that the reason it's connecting with people is that it's not about the dates and facts when they live. You can get that in, in any you know Wikipedia entry. Period. What sure. you come to us for is here's the moral lesson that we that matters today. So, like you said, on the back of uh, Abraham Lincoln, it says, "I will speak my mind and speak for others." On the back of Amelia Earhart, it says, "I will know no bounds." On, on the back of of Albert Einstein, it says, "I will always be curious." And as you said on Jim Henson, I will I will keep believing and keep pretending. And like those are the lessons I want for my kids. And to me, that's the goal is is to help you not just sell you a book, but help you build a library of real moral heroes for your kids and your grandkids and your nieces and your nephews. Mike, you had a question? One? I can't hear you. I had to unmute myself, so. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Brad, hi, I'm, I'm Mike. I'm uh, one of the producers on uh, the Comics Online podcast. Hey, Mike. How you doing, um, brother? I had a, I'm great, man. I have a question for you, though. Um, in doing these historical books that you that you've done, has there been in doing the research for them? Has there been anything that you found that was I wouldn't say shocking, but like something that you didn't know about these heroes and and um, icons that we've known for? I mean, that we've been learning about since grade school. Was there anything that really kind of shocked you about any of them that you learned? I mean, I think what, what always shocked me is just the, the, the normalcy of it. You know, that's what really always gets to me is, you know, it's not no one comes out of their mom and is born a hero. Right. No one in the world is born a hero, not even Superman himself. And it, it's the journey that gets you there. So I actually what I always kind of stop on are the moments when they're younger and you just see them as people. Right. There's a great moment in Jackie Robinson. Um, that I found where Jackie Robinson's a little kid. I forget if he's like 11 years old. He's a young kid. And this little white girl across the street comes and calls him some rough words, okay? And you know exactly what this white girl is calling this young black kid. And he gets pissed because he's got a temper. And I, no one knows who throws the first rock, but soon the father of the girl comes out and Jackie Robinson is a little boy and this father, an adult, are having having a rock fight, throwing rocks at each other, right? Like that is never a good idea to, like no one wins a rock fight, right? And, and when we put it in the book, someone said like, you know, you sure you want to show that? Like, I don't like that story. And it shows me as a temper and, you know, it's a bad moment. And you know where I got the story? It was in Jackie Robinson's autobiography, which no one even reads anymore because it's just so old. But for some reason, Jackie Robinson thought when he's telling his own story in his own words, that I'm going to tell this story about my life as a kid. And I, and that's what always shocks me is like those moments of just pure humanity where like I lost my shit one day and I to this fight. but it, what I love about it is it's absolute proof that all of us, you know, and I think he put that in there to show you can be completely human. You can make a mistake, but you want to be so great. You got to be better than that mistake. And you got to improve upon that. And I love that. Those are the things that shock me. I'm never like, oh my gosh, you know, they, God, insert your, you know, naked, whatever here. Um, it's always that kind of human thing that we were just like, my gosh, I know exactly which kid growing up or me would have a rock fight when I was little. And it just humanizes them. They get off their pedestals and they just become people again. So I noticed, I, I, I've noticed that, that you tend to be a 
one of the one of the nicest. I don't know where I'm going with this question. Really, I've noticed that you tend to be one of the the, the nicest uh, people that uh, that I've talked to. You know, out of you know all the the authors and celebrities and artists and that this sort of thing. And and you tend to to just reach out to people and and be um, just just nice. Where does that come from? Um. I love that question, by the way. Uh, I, I'm trying to give you like a real answer. You know, I, the funny part is this is no one's ever really asked me that, but this is, this is where my brain is lately. So this is my 2017 is the 20th year that I've been a writer. It actually marks the 20th anniversary in May of when my first novel came out, the 10th justice. And it just gets me in one of those, especially because, you know, the, years having just passed and all these things going, it just makes me very nostalgic for all those, you know, like, how do you get here, right? Like, I never thought, I was like this young, I was in my 20s when I sold my first book, and I got 24 rejection letters in my first book. 24 people told me to give it up. There were only 20 publishers at the time. I got 24 rejection letters. Um, but when I, you know, when I look back and say, okay, why am I, I, listen, I hope I'm nice. I hope that what you said is true. But I think for me, my dad, God bless him, I love my dad. And my dad passed away a number of years ago, but my dad was like, had just a crazy ass temper. And my dad was the kind of guy who just would, like, he would get so mad at someone, he would tip a pool table over. Like, when you're thrown over pool tables, you have a bad temper, right? Like, you have issues. My, and it's not like it was, you know, my dad and I would go at each other and, you know, never physical, never anything, but we would scream and scream at each other. But I think for me, I remember following around my dad when I was a little kid and having to put out fires because he was just like that guy who just loved to hit the plunger. You know, he just would like, you know, this person's an asshole and and everyone was wrong. And I remember when he was old and he was really probably dying at that point and I didn't know it. And I said to him, you know, dad, either sometimes is everyone an asshole or maybe when you don't know who the asshole is in the story, it just might be you. And we had this kind of real moment, and, and I really believe, I don't want to get too Freudian about it, but I, I really believe that part of my, I hope my nature is just kind of like, you know, we all kind of pay the, pay the, the things you want to see forward from your parents, and, and your parents are always the most complex relationship you'll ever have in your life, right? No matter how good or bad it is, it will always sure. be the most complex, and it can't just be one way. Um, and I think for me, it comes out of my dad, and it definitely comes from my wife, who when she met me, I was just like this headstrong, like just kind of loud mouth kid, very cocky, very, you know, and I think she just showed me like the power of kindness. And it really, you know, that, that just really worked for me. It just really calmed everything in my life down, brought all the insanity. My family didn't grow up with, you know, much money, but it just made the universe make sense for me. It's just like, you know what, just be nice to people. It'll come back to you. So I appreciate you saying that, but that's, that's honestly where my head is these days. Well, I, you know, it's 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 where my head has been these days, and and your your books and and your just general uh, personality really struck me. I, I've had a I've been challenged with uh, with with kindness myself, and you know to to you know to do the right thing or to flip out and be angry with people. And I, I recently made a post on Facebook, you know, and I, I tagged you as as my number one example of I want to be. How do I be nice like like Brad Melter? And I listed a crap. A I didn't even see people. that. Wait, did I see that? Did I even see that? I don't no. know. Facebook, you didn't respond Facebook. to it. No, I would have if I saw Facebook. And I was like, and I said, I said, how do I? I'm I'm, I'm wrestling going on right with now this. to see that one. I want to see that. <laughs> I'm wrestling with this problem. This is like two months ago. I'm wrestling with this problem, and. 
I, you know, I just want to be nice, but I'm having such a hard time doing the right thing. How do I do the right thing and 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 rise above and 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 uh, you know address the world and address you know these these difficult issues uh, with kindness. Listen, uh, you know, know, one of the one of the places I was looking at it recently for myself. I'm gonna find you by, by the way as we're talking. You're this shield one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I see you here. I'm yeah, gonna yeah. find it. Okay, you gotta tell me when the post was. I'm gonna find it because you know Facebook. God bless it was Facebook, it was just it only, after Thanksgiving. Okay, I'll find it because only only it'll only give me as many people as tag me. It'll only give me an X percentage, so I can't ever see what everyone's writing. So if oh, I right. see, you, you can see I'm notoriously responding when people write nice stuff, but. Um, you know, I'll tell you where I saw it is, and I, and I built this quote out of it, because um, one of the kids' books that we're working on, you know, you always think you're doing something good in the universe for someone else because we're all narcissists at heart. And then you realize that in, in a strange way, what you're really doing and what you work on when you work on your art or whatever it is you work on, your passion might be, is you're always doing it for your, you know, you, you think you're working on it for yourself, but it's always actually something you need. It's not really for you. It's what you need. And and one of the books that I was working on most recently was uh, upcoming. We're doing I Am Gandhi. And oh. and I just felt like I needed lately, uh, you know, everything looks beautiful on Facebook. We, everyone looks nice. Everyone looks perfect. We all know it's bullshit. But one of the things that I realized is Gandhi is, you know, he's got this temper. He's like, you know, people are like, how could you write about him? He was rough to his wife. He was this and that and the other thing. I'm like, but there's this great moment when, when Gandhi is, is, you know, in his life, and he's all pissed. He's so mad about what's happening. And he realizes you just got to be better than what pisses you off. Like, and, and it has to, and, and then rather than, and this was the thing, the key thing for me is you can blame the whole universe. It's going to get you nowhere, right? Like bitterness, is, like if you start with yourself and you say, you know what, I'm not going to blame anyone else. I'm going to start with myself and move on. Like, I love that we've turned this into self-help, but it, <laughs> it really, it really was, it, it made total sense to me. And I was like, this book, it, I think I'm doing it for my kids and I'm being so kind to everyone else out there. And the reality was, this is exactly what I needed. It's exactly what, the lesson I well, need every day. These books are, you know, these books are not just for for kids. I mean, these are these are great lessons for adults because we, you know, we as adults and we as particularly we as parents, you know, adults in general, but particularly as parents, these are the lessons that we need to be reminded of. And and I thank you for them. No, I appreciate. I mean, listen, I, I again thought I was doing this for my kids, and the reality was, is I need these lessons. Um, and, and we all need these lessons. And, I, and in fact, one of the things we're working on right now is how do we bring, because we have so many adults say to us, I'm buying your books. I know, you know, they can read them because people in comics, we can read Chris Eliopoulos' amazing art because it has this cross between, you know, Peanuts and, and, and Calvin and Hobbes. And we, we can read great messages, even if they're in cartoon style, we understand the benefit. Most people can't. That's a comic book thing that we're, you know, thank God we have built into our DNA. <laughs> But I have so many people come to me and say, I want to read these books because I love them. Um, and they almost say it embarrassed because it looks like a cartoon. And I'm like, listen, you need this lesson too. This isn't for your eight-year-old. This is for you, man. You need Dr. King's lesson. You need a lesson of patience. You need a lesson of acceptance. Um, so I, I'm glad that, you know, and I know that when I write them, I'm writing them for my kids. But every time I'm like, this, these are my, this is, this is, you know, what I'm writing. Yeah. I found your post, by the way, here. I'm writing it right now. <laughs> nice, Brad. I have a I have a so, question for you. Um, yeah, you had you had mentioned that you got twenty four rejection letters um, in your first attempt at, at becoming a writer. Um, I, without trying to like 
toot my own horn here. I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I'm trying to become a writer myself. Um, what kind of tips would you have to somebody who wants to be essentially where you are, where you're, you're putting out a book? I mean, God, what, how many are you putting out a year? Um, but it, it becomes no, yeah. your, it becomes your profession instead of like your hobby. Um, you know, listen, here's the thing. Uh, I got 24 rejection letters on my first book. 24 people told me to give it up. And that book still sits on my shelf published by Kinko's, right? But I don't look back on the experience and say, well, I was right and they were wrong and ha ha on them. I look back and realize, you know, life is subjective. And for you to be a published author, you know what it takes? One person to say yes. That's all it takes for you to be published. One friggin' person. And all your job is to find that one person. And if, you know, 24 or 50 people say no, it doesn't mean they're right and you're, you know, you were wrong. As I said, like life is subjective, so find that person. And to me, the only answer, and it's whether you want to be a writer, a doctor, a lawyer, stay at home, a teacher, whatever you want to do. You want to work in the Pentagon, you got to keep going, keep going, keep going. That's it. That's all it takes. Just don't let anyone tell you no. Don't let anyone tell you no. In fact, I'll, I'll, this is the perfect way to, to give you the, the example. In, in, in I Am Jim Henson, one of my favorite moments in there is Jim Henson says that he wants to work in television. And he's a kid. He's in like, I think he's in his teens, his late teens. He's still in high school. And he goes down to the television place for the job and they say, we don't, we don't have any openings. And he's all dejected. He's all upset and he's leaving the place. And as he's leaving, he looks up on the wall and on the corkboard is a, a little ad and it says from the station and it says, we're looking for puppeteers. So Jim Henson goes to the library he takes out all these books. Oh, look at that. Look at holding up. Um, he takes out all these books on puppeteering, and he comes back to the same exact place, and he says, I'm a puppeteer. Will you hire me? And I love that, again, for my kids and for myself and for you, right? When someone puts a roadblock in your life, you go around it, go over it, go under it, but you got to get around it. And I love that Jim Henson, you know, again, Kermit's great, and Ernie and Bert are great, and Oscar's great. Um, but I love that he stands for that idea that when you have that creative desire, you got to just keep going, keep going, keep going. So that's what I say. And let me also say this. When you have your book that is done and you want to submit it, just email me and let me know because I'm happy to introduce you to my agent. I always do that for anyone who asks. Um, but also when the book comes out, let me know and I'll put it on Twitter. Every person who has a new book, I will put on Twitter because when my first book came out, no one blurbed the book. No one was like, yes, this is the greatest book I've ever read, you know, so-and-so all. And I was like, screw all those people. Like, I'm now going to do that for anyone who needs it. I'm going to make sure that I put it out on Twitter for them and, you know, be done and get their word out there. Cool. So take me up on it. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I actually have um, – and, and Kevin has seen it. I, uh, we, um, I worked with an artist and we did a uh, – we're on our third issue now of a comic book that we self-published. Um, so I'll have to send you a copy of that and let me uh, – Yeah, nice. Your, send it to me. Get your opinion on that. And then I also have some, uh, some novel stuff that I'm working on too. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Of course. Kevin knows how to reach me. <laughs> yep. So, um, oh shoot. So you've got, uh, how many, how many ordinary people books so far? So I think this is book, I think this is 11. I'm Jim Henson is the 11th in the series. They've actually signed us up for another six on top of the, they did six and six and six. Now we're doing, uh, we're up to 18 that we're signed up for. And that's been, you know, my goal when I first went in there and I pitched them the book series as I, I was like, I don't want to do one book or two. I was like, I want to do 100 with you. I want to build a library. That was the goal. I'm like, I'm going to build, I want to build a library of real heroes. 
And, um, and thanks to Chris Eliopoulos, who again, I can't, I mean, he's so amazing as an artist and we all know in comics, like you can have the greatest script in the world, but you know, if you don't have the right artist on it, it all falls apart. And he just gives it that lovable style that makes, you know, I want my kids to be off screens. I want my nieces and nephews to be off screens. And the only way you're going to do that and get them off their phone is you got to give them something better. Yeah. And so this is our answer. Such a great choice with Chris. I mean, you know, obviously we've seen him do, uh, you know, alternate covers and that sort of thing in, in the in the mainstream comics world. But uh, until in, until your books, I hadn't seen him in another medium. Yeah, someone said to me, and I think they're dead right, is, um, and I think Chris is an amazing artist and has always been an amazing artist, which is why I first approached him. But he's just gotten better and better and better. Like, if you look at, you know, and I thought his Abraham Lincoln and, and Amelia Hart books were amazing with us, but if you look at his Helen Keller, you're just like, oh my gosh. Or even the cover to Rosa Parks, or wait till you see what he does, and you have Jim Henson there, but um, he's just as, he's kind of, ups his game every time and what started as you know a very amazing cartoony style is just taken on this kind of poetic flair of acting that he can do now that is just beyond he he is an excellent storyteller and just just a perfect uh perfect match for for this sort of thing and i i'm really excited to hear that you're up to 18 so you've got uh, you, you've got 18 uh slated i assume that you've got uh, a a pretty big uh, selection in the hopper after that yeah so we have yeah we have we're doing um coming out in september we're doing i am sakajawiya and i am gandhi um and then i'm working on the ones after that although we're not announcing them yet we're going to wait a little bit but sure I'm, I'm already working on the ones after that and those are for 2000 what are we this is 17 these are for 2018 i'm already working on 2018 already beautiful so uh, I, I assume that you've got some for uh, for gosh, if you're doing what three a year, something like that. So we do three a year of those, and then I have the, the thrillers. So the the new thriller, um, the House of Secrets, actually comes out in paperback next week. So that'll be fun too. So people. So um, well, geez, I I think we've we've uh, gone through our allotted time with you today, but I I would love to talk with you again and and. Really, I'd love to have you on, and, and maybe we can talk about comics when you're not uh, up I love, against the listen, deadline. I love talking comics. You know that. Let me know. And more important, thanks for doing what you do for the industry, for this industry, mine, but but again, for everyone in comics, for all of us out there who, when we were growing up, felt like we were a little different. Um, you know, things like this podcast make people feel like they're not alone, and that's a pretty important thing these days. Well, I appreciate that, Brad. Well, uh, I will see you next week when you're, when you're in town here in D.C., Awesome. But, uh, you know, you're uh, ordinary people uh, change the world. I am Jim Henson comes out uh, on January 10th and uh, people can get it. Well, everywhere books are sold. Well, Brad, Thanks, do you brother. have uh, Brad, do you have a website that you can plug? So if people want uh, aren't able to come out and see you um, or if maybe they're oh, introverts yeah. and they don't like coming out and uh, buying things around other people, uh, where can they buy <laughs> your stuff? So, yeah, you, if you go to bradmelcher.com, um, and you can find me on Twitter or Facebook at the same place at Brad Meltzer. But the one thing I'll say is if you go to, if you want a sign book um, and you do it quickly after this podcast hits, if you go to the, the link for books and books on our, when Jim Henson on our website, um, if you go to books and books in Coral Gables, it's just, you'll see it right there. 
you can go and you can order personalized books for anyone. You can order for birthday presents. They, this is my local independent bookstore here in Florida, and I always support them. So even if, you know, you can buy autographed ones all over the place, but that's the spot where you can get them autographed and personalized, and they'll take care of it for you and do free shipping and all that. Wow, beautiful. Well, thank you for, for being on with us, Brad, and, and we'll Thanks, see guys. you again soon. See you soon. Swag. So for Brad Meltzer, Mike Lunsford, and for everything Geek Pop Culture, I'm Kevin Goswan, and this is Comics Online. Our builders to going off like gamma bombs. Switch your internet browser to comicsonline.com.